everyone, and welcome back to The Art of Podcasting, Episode 2, If I Knew Then, What I Know Now, recorded February 26th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. This week, Steve and James and I are going to talk about some of the things that you need to know before you begin podcasting, perhaps some of the things that we wish we had known before we started, things you must get right from the beginning or you will spend the entire time that you do a podcast regretting the fact that you didn't get them right from the beginning. And uh, the uh, trifecta of hosts with, uh, as always, this week, we have a Mr. James Messer, known as The Professor. Hey, James, what's up? Howdy. No pressure with that intro. So now we're going to cover all the bases. No one will ever regret anything ever. Well, you know, I set my goals high. If you can't <laughs> live up to them, that's your problem. <laughs> Take care. Drive safely, everyone. <laughs> And, of course, the imprimatur of podnuts.com, Mr. Steve Cherubino. Hey, Steve. Hello. How's it going? Good, good, good. You're in a different environment. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I'm on a different mic. I'm in a different different room, different gear. This is my music equipment setup, my music studio room. Oh, nice. And uh, I got an SM58 over here. I'm not using the Heil PR40, the show. So uh, are you... Uh Recording other bands or doing your own stuff or what? Just my own stuff. Electronic music. Um, electronic music is, it's the, per- well, I'm, I was actually going to talk about this in a bit, but it's, it's the perfect blend of tech and music. It just, it's right down my alley. So, so you, what, you have a band or? No, or it's not a band. It's just, it's just me. Uh, got an iMac here, a MIDI controller, all kinds of plugins, synthesizers, lots of buttons and blinky lights. Do you and wear the, the big headphones and, and bob your head while you I have it? a big set of headphones. I, w- I didn't wear them tonight. I have I, these here. They're uh, H- the Sennheiser HD 280s. I use oh, them yeah. when I do some tracking. They're, they're good, but uh, they're huge. And they kind the of world goes them. completely away. Yes. Yes. Good bass response on them. Oh, yeah. They wrap all the way around your head and you hear nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it you're familiar with that particular brand. I do. I like those. Yeah. See, uh, uh, James and Steve both have their little earbuds in because it looks better on camera and they, you know, they, you, you look good there. I, I figured I gave up on looking good on camera years ago. So I just have my big headphones on and just go with it. These are my AKGs to the K240s. Um, and they're okay. I kind of like my, the Sennheisers a little better. Really? Do you I like yeah, it's, shutting it's them tough. out? It's tough shopping for a good set of headphones if they don't have a, all of them set up on this like display because right. you got to listen to them all. I, I oh, it is. It's it's already. a lot like uh, it's like buying a car. You have to try them on. You have to run it around the, uh, the block a couple of times. What do other people say about the headphones? Yeah. And it's such a personal preference. The ones I have now, these AKGs, are set up so that they go all the way around the ear, which I like. That's my style of car. And you can hear what's going on outside in the rest of the world. So if somebody in the other room says, you know, the disposal's clogged, I can hear that. I can hear the <laughs> yelling and the nonsense going on. Uh, the the Sennheisers, of course, you put them on and everything disappears. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I was going to say that. Some people like different things. Some people like even the open back headphones yeah. so that you just, uh, the, the trouble, you can't really use those in a studio setting because they put as much noise out as they do into your ear and it picks up on all the mics and everything. But some people like that sound others like the just forget the world i just want to hear my music yeah yep and i my my now are sennheisers the one i'm wearing right now the the in-ear wrap around the ear deal that i have are sennheisers i really like that brand i find yeah, that i can't stuff. i can't use the in-ear 
the the earbud style that that's supposed to rest on that little flap. Apparently, my little flap of of ear is stunted in some way. <laughs> they just fall out. I have to get the in ear, the like the silicon ones that you push in, I and then you get in. so much bass response from your head that when you're talking, you can't hear anything. So I, I just I go with the over the ear ones, like James was talking about. Yep. Plus, if you if you touch the cable, the the wire on those in ear ones, it sounds like thunder. Right, like you can't you can't really work out with them because it's it's always wires always banging around. Uh, yeah, I don't like the noise canceling. I, I like hearing things around me. Yeah, I, I worry about people who have the the in air or the or the noise canceling while they're driving or while they're exactly. jogging. You know, uh, mm-hmm. yes, that's a recipe so. for for actually an episode of the periodic table. We, we would mock you openly for doing that on that show. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I had a, an interesting thing happen this week. I won an eBay auction that I didn't remember having bid on. How Never does that work? You guys? Exactly. No, I, I can't say that I've, <laughs> I've ever bid on anything and just forgotten about it. Uh, are you one of those obsessive guys who who's always checking the stats constantly? Every and, second. Yeah. And and like Refresh. if anybody Refresh. outbids you, you you're going to snipe them at the very end, that kind of thing? I, I, the problem is that I'm not aggressive enough to go in and wait for that last 10 seconds and, and bomb it and get it. Um, I leave it. I'm more of a Zen, like the universe will find a way for me to win this if it's possible. So how do you end up forgetting completely that you bid on it? Well, the way I do eBay is I look at the item and if I want it, I put the maximum I'm willing to pay and then I walk away. And if I win it, great because eBay has their proxy bidding system and that sniping doesn't work if I'm willing to pay more. That's right. And, and if I'm not willing to pay more, it doesn't matter if I'm watching it the last exactly. second. It's completely irrelevant. So it's true. Uh, I was looking at a, an M-Audio Fast Track um, USB analog to digital converter. Very, nice. very good piece of equipment. Typically run anywhere from $150 to $200. Um, and this one had no reserve and no buy now. I put 30 bucks on it. Thought, I'll never get that. And uh, like nine days later, I get an email saying, you've won for awesome. $26.95 or something. <laughs> nice. What generation is it? I is think it? it's the second generation. It's not the current generation. Cool. But still, they're, uh, I haven't gotten that. it yet. I expect it to be uh, coming soon. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's That's the way I do eBay. I put uh, a low ball that's a good deal. And if I don't get it, I don't get it. If I get it, bonus. So it was like, I'm getting this good piece of equipment for 30 bucks. Free shipping even. So Wow. What are you going to use it for? I Actually, I plan to send it to one of the hosts for one of the other podcasts we do <laughs> because I'm tired of him having crappy. Uh, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like. It's for you. They like to use head, headset mics and I recommend headset mics. Sure. I, I like the, the Plantronic systems, is, uh, the mm-hmm. gamer systems. It's usually what I recommend yep. because they have the best mic, but they can't hear themselves. And it's critical that you hear yourself so that you know when you're, when you're messing with stuff. Now, like. You, uh, all three of us have mics here, and if we go off mic, we can hear that we've gone off mic. Right. But with a headset, you can't go off mic ever, which is as much as a problem as anything else. Because if you scratch your nose, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that means 15 minutes of editing for me to try to clean that up. Uh, a lot of my guests have become really skilled with their mute button. Right. They're really good. I don't even know they're using it. They're like coughing and burping and scratching and all kinds, and it, not, it never comes through. So you, you also need to train your guests. Yes. Well, I have two hosts on, on, on a different show. Actually, I've got about four of them across my shows that, that never think about that. They'll, they'll be talking to somebody in the other room and not mute their mic or they're con- one of them's a fiddler. He's constantly adjusting and constantly rubbing and, and, and it's, you yeah. always hear just 
is this. Is, is, is he the one getting the fast track? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to send him this and a mic nice. and say, use this because I love you too much to have to kill you. <laughs> awesome. So, James, what's going on in your life this week? Well, speaking of of things going on, I had a um, an interesting podcast moment, which fit in perfectly, obviously, with the what we were talking about tonight regarding creating podcasts and some of the things that happen with that. Um, on on Saturday mornings, uh, I record with uh, my better half a podcast called "What a Week," where we go through just things that we've seen in the news during the past seven days that are not mainstream, but they're things that I find interesting anyway. And one of those things was a story about the guy in New York City whose name is Bernie Wagonblast. I think I got that right. Bernie Bernie Wagonblast. Great name. He is the voice of the New York subway system. And what the New York Times did was they had people send in things that they would like to hear as fantasy subway announcements. <laughs> and and they had Bernie play them. And so I played some of them on the podcast and we laughed over them because they were they were quite funny and and uh, and quite humorous. Um do I even have one on here? I bet I do. Let's see. Let's see if we can use some of this advanced technology to play one of these. Attention passengers, I can't help but notice that there are two beguiling people on this train who I think would make quite an attractive couple, but both seem to be a bit shy. Won't someone introduce them? See, so it's it's these these fantasy things that he puts together. So we thought it was funny. Ha ha. Yes, we laughed over it. Wasn't that amusing? Um, and of course, I post these things uh, at my podcast. Not only can you get them in iTunes as you would traditionally do a podcast, but I also put them on YouTube. And and perhaps we should even put a little footnote there as well, that would be an interesting thing to talk about in in a future podcast. So um, what what I thought was interesting about is we had it out there, and today my phone popped up that said you have a new comment on a video on YouTube, and it said it was from B Wagon Blast. And it said, thanks for the nice comments about the story. We had a lot of fun recording the announcements. And he talked a little bit about some of the things we, t- we talked about in the podcast. So there was a sort of a, you know, the brush with greatness, you know, the two things meeting there in real life kind of scenario that we found to be quite, quite a kick. We really got a, a, a quite a hit when, when I called up and said, you got to read YouTube. Look, we got Bernie. Yeah. Bernie saw the podcast. Uh, and he saw awesome. us talking about them. So that was kind of a cool moment where suddenly these things we talk about in our podcast and don't think anything about, suddenly we realize people listen to this and they hear what we're saying. And it's the magic of podcasting. It all hit today. And then you're thinking, did I say anything derisive? Oh, oh I went right that. back and said, what did I say? Did I say his name right? Mm-hmm. Did I, was there anything disparaging? No, turned out it was okay. But also, James, it was probably smart of like note-taking or titling of your podcast by you because... If you didn't put Bernie Wagonblast anywhere in your description or anything, he would have never found it, right? Well, it, the interesting parts we're trying to figure that out now. In the in the uh, on the website that points to it, his name is not in the description of the podcast, um, but the link yeah. to that particular New York Times article is okay. So he must somehow have a way, or, exactly. or he knows how to use Google to know who's linking yeah. to a particular page. And, and and ran into that. I'm not sure how he managed to find it, but there it is. Very cool. 
So do you think Bernie Wagon Blast is now going to be a regular listener to the Water Week podcast? Oh, let's hope. I'm sure he's already subscribed, certainly. And he's probably gone back a number of weeks and listened to all the archives. Absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? <laughs> do you find, I, I know I find that with our shows, uh, and I'm sure you track stats, and, and I think we're going to mention that a little later on. Do you find that happening a lot? Like you'll hit a big hit, like show number 178 gets more traffic than normal. And then you find that people are backtracking and you see old shows like episode seven that was four years ago suddenly has twice as many hits as, as anything else. Uh, yeah. I used to do the thing where I would try to figure out why. And now I just don't, I don't even go with why anymore. I just see that it happened and go, wow, that's interesting. And then I can't, I can't, cause it's so hard to figure out why these things happen uh, on my YouTube channel. I've got hundreds of videos. Some weeks, one particular video will just spike for whatever reason. I have no idea why it's hard to track, but at least I know that it's happening and I can keep an eye on it. And at least over a longer term, see if it's something that maybe I hit a topic. Maybe I made a video of a cat uh, or, or something and suddenly it got popular. That's how the internet works. We you all know, know that cats are king on the internet. The cats got to be it. Somehow I've got to fit a cat into some of my training videos, but that's, you just never know what's going to work and what isn't, but, but tracking them, I do keep an eye on it. And we will talk a little bit about that. What about you, Steve? Yeah, so it happens to me sometimes. I look at stats and I go, "Where? Why are people watching that?" Like, uh, and I like James said. Sometimes I don't check, but um, there's ways if you really want to find out where you're getting your traffic. And I, I guess this is one of the things you do. You should do before you start podcasting, which I don't. Is set up like a nice Google Analytics tracking system and make sure you know where all the your listeners are coming from. I mean, this would be the smart thing to do. Which again, I said I don't do. Right. Um, but it would be wise. So yeah, it's. It's good to know where your traffic's coming from. So often I see like, you know, uh, episode three is suddenly taking a spike and I'm thinking, we were so bad back then. Don't listen <laughs> to that one. Don't just pretend that one doesn't exist. We've learned so much in the two years since then. Don't do that. I'm telling you, it, that happened to Linux for the rest of us. We were having a problem with one of the, with the sound on one of the shows and it just came out. I, I tried my best to salvage it and it just, it just did not come out good at all. Audio-wise, content was great. Audio-wise was bad, squelchy, squeaky, bad. And I look back at the stats. That was one of the shows, like you guys are talking about, that it, somebody went back and it got more views than I think I ever got on a show. And um, I'm just crossing my fingers. I said, oh, I hope they watch the next one. I hope right. they listen to the next one after that. But yeah, it's, just, it's the way it works. Yep. We had a, a, a guest on one of our shows, and one of the things that I always ask him is, what podcast do you like to listen to? We should probably do that um at, on one of our shows is what what podcast do you like and um this guy uh mentioned that he likes to listen to all of his podcasts in chronological order so when he when he adds a podcast he has to go back to the beginning and listen to all of those before he can catch up on any of the other podcasts in his normal feed i mean, I mean i'm a little ocd but that is extreme right there a special kind and then they'll email you and say, oh, you know, there's no episode 12. Where, oh. What happened to it? Or where's the show notes for episode two? And I'm like, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> if frankly, I didn't care enough to, to go back and do that. So sorry. Uh, we, we moved our site from a, a WordPress to a Drupal and we brought over all the content um, with it. But the original uh, comments and links back were missing. And I didn't, mm. I didn't take the time to go back and refill in all those links. And every now and then I'll get something like, you mentioned this tool here. It would have been nice if you'd link to it. Like, well, yeah. at the time I did, but I didn't go back and do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I, 
for show notes, I get volunteers, people to volunteer to do them. And uh, if nobody volunteers, they don't get done because it just it's, it gets to be too much when you have so many shows. But yeah, that's so some a lot of there's a lot of missing notes on my shows. It'd be nice to have them. Maybe one day we'll get a campaign going where we fill in all the empty back show notes. But I would yet. love to have transcripts up um, for Google searchability because there's no way to index audio. Nobody nice. will know what we've talked about here tonight unless I make some sort of description or link to it. I would right. love to be able to uh, to transcribe those. And there are services that do that, but they're either expensive or not very good or both. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's overseas, like those Elance, like a site like Elance or something. I think you could post a job like that and overseas, um, somebody will do that for really cheap. I know a couple people that have uh, have done something like that. Because, you know, I... I, that would be awesome to do that, but even if it was a buck a show, that's you know hundreds of dollars to go back and and redo my back yeah. catalog already. Right. Yep. Okay, yeah, there's so, got to be a good reason. I've got a lot of videos. I'd love to do that too, but a lot of them are technical. So how am I supposed to have somebody go back and we're talking about SQL injection? Who knows how that's going to come back transcribed from somewhere exactly. in the Philippines? Oh uh, yeah, if it's yeah. You get, you get like some that. Indian who speaks English, sort of. But has no idea what the concept is. Yeah, that, right. You know, and and for our Linux show, when we're talking about GNOME and Xmonad, and, and you know, you throw throw out those weird open source names. You know, uh, this is the ButterFS, and it's going to come out B U T T E R. But <laughs> right. no, that's not really what it is. So it's then, true. That's what your, I thought it when Dor was talking about it last week. That's what I thought it was. I'm like butter. Mm. And I, so then, then I go blank when I don't know what he's talking about, and then I start to think about food. So <laughs> mm, butter. butter. <laughs> I got chastised on uh, from a listener, and and uh, I wrote back, and we had a, a cordial discourse, uh, discourse. But he doesn't eat meat, and he said we spend too much time on Everyday Linux talking about bacon, and he wishes <laughs> we'd get on with it. He suggested that we, uh, in the show notes, put a thing that says real content starts at ten minutes and fifty one seconds. And I thought, <laughs> Do you guys a- talk about bacon too? Uh, well, who doesn't talk about bacon? Yeah, on my Linux show, we talk about bacon all the time. Bacon is the 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 internet runs on bacon. It really yeah. does. True. And caffeine, bacon and caffeine. <laughs> uh, I I actually made my own bacon. I uh, got uh, a pork belly, uncured, skin on the whole bit, cured it uh, for uh, two weeks, smoked it in my smoker. I'm serious about my food. That's how, how did that's it come out? Fat. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I uh, made really nice thick cuts of it, and um, it was it was meaty and delicious. And and we went through about seven pounds of it in a weekend. <laughs> Please tell me you documented this. I did. I did. I have pictures of it. If uh, you know, shameless plug for my site, elementopi.com. Uh, there's a whole forum there where I talk about. I, I like to barbecue, and I like. I, I I built my own smoker. I put the plans for my smoker online there. So if you want to really? build your own smoker, uh, the plans are there. And then there's a bacon forum. There's an actual bacon forum <laughs> really? on my site. Yeah. And Mark, next time you make that, I'll buy some off you. You ship overnight it to me. Yeah, I, I thought, and, and by the time it was all said and done, it cost me about eight bucks a pound, which is what good bacon cost. Sure. So it wasn't it wasn't really um, um, expensive. It was wasn't really labor intensive. It just took time. I mean, I, I had to put it in the cure. I used the pink salt, and then I threw it in the cooler and had to wait two weeks. So nice. You know, it's time intensive, but wow, two weeks. Awesome. Uh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta have a commitment right there. And so, if I was selling it, I'd have to have a constant supply, right? I have to be, uh, you know, I'm making this so that I can sell because otherwise I'd run out because it's the two week time frame there. It's crazy. So yeah, that, we don't talk just about tech on our shows. We talk about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I like that. That was a nice tangent. 
<laughs> okay. So one of the things that uh, what what brought this to my mind is is that a lot of podcasts, and mine was one of them, and guys, maybe you can, uh, Steve, you've sort of said that yours was, you start with a ready, fire, aim mentality. He's like, all right, I'm going to go podcast. All right, I've recorded something. Now what? Now what do I do now that I've recorded it? Um, did you have that experience, Steve? No, I, I had a little more planning uh, than that, actually, because I wanted, when I, I thought to myself, if I'm going to do a show, I want people to listen to it. So I kind of prepared, actually, in a, in a special way. If you want me to tell that story, I can tell sure, it. Sure, go ahead. Um, like I said, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and uh, one of the, the people I was listening to was Leo Laporte back at that time, and he does a, he has a network called twit.tv tech podcasts basically and i was listening to them and uh there was this recurring thing that just kept getting my attention in one of his shows he has a call-in show and it's actually a radio show that he just turns into a turned into a podcast and people call in and they ask him for tech help and i was noticing every couple calls somebody would call in and say hey leo yeah i just started this website and i would have a question for you and leo without fail every time would say really what's the url what's what's your website tell me mm-hmm. And they would tell them, and basically that was, in my mind, I'm, I'm seeing, what's, it was free promotion every time he did that. And he's got hundreds of thousands of listeners, so you know some of the people that are listening to the show went to the person's site that he just said. So I decided when I do my podcast, I'm going to make one episode, I'm going to make a good website, I'm going to make sure it's all ready, and then when it's up and posted... That's when I give Leo a call. So that's what I did. I called Leo as soon as my first show was posted, and I, I had a legitimate question. I asked him how to make a feed for my podcast because I didn't have a feed. The show was posted, but I, I didn't have an actual RSS feed, which we'll, we'll now, probably Steve, talk about Steve, did you later. really need the answer to that question, or did you just have the question you could ask? It, it was I, I could have found it. I could have found it out definitely <laughs> on Google or whatever, but it was a good question to ask because you know I didn't want to just call and say, can you just say the name of my site, right. which some people would, but... uh. That's what I did, and uh, he said it, and he went to the site while he was on the air, and he talked about it for like a couple minutes, and um, got 300 subscribers overnight wow. from, that, from that little stunt. So that's, that jump-started my show, and that's, that's one of my biggest tips. Whenever I talk about podcasting or do a seminar or whatever, I, I tell that story because it has so much power behind it as far as use leverage. Lever- leverage is a good thing. It can be used to gain visitors. So yeah, I was kind of more prepared than just winging it. I've seen, uh, I've been watching Leo's show. I, I don't, I, sometimes on a Sunday afternoon when I, when I don't have anything else going on and the kids aren't around, I'll turn it on just for background noise mm-hmm. uh, because the, the topics are very uh, low level. So it's not yeah. like I'm learning anything from it because it's, it's grandma calling in about the, the, the latest virus. And you, you can tell Leo is like Googling the answer and reading the, but anyway, <laughs> um, you hear people call in a lot and mention their sites and the chat room goes crazy about, oh, here's another guy flogging his website on Leo. But, uh, but Leo always goes with it. He's happy to. It's like, oh, let's, let's talk about it because, you know, it's good content for him. He's happy to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. He's, he's still in the time. Let's keep talking while right. you've got you on the air. I don't have a lot of calls lined up or we need to fill this time and I have 25 seconds until break. Let's keep talking. Right. He's got six hours uh, a weekend that he's got to fill. And there's only there's only so many virus stories that people can can do. So right. I, I've considered doing that actually. Uh, again, with a real question, uh, I wanted to ask it because he seems to get better performance out of Skype than I do, and I'd like to pick mm-hmm. his brain about that. And I thought that would be a good way to do that. Plus, drop the name of the site couldn't hurt. Perfect. It's a perfect question. 
Yeah, I'm going to use that question when I call up next week. Yeah, thank you, James. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and I actually called back another two times uh, to the point where he came became a smidgen familiar with me. You know what I mean? And uh, it was just a good connection to have. So I actually recommend because people who are starting shows, there's got to be somebody in your field like like what I did with Leo. There's got to be somebody in your field. Like if you're podcasting about cars, there's got to be somebody who is an opinion leader in your field of cars that has a podcast or has a radio show and takes live callers find that person call them up and see if you can get them to promote your show a little bit and that'll just take you a long that'll jumpstart your show nice yeah and and there there there's shameless self-promotion and then there's shame on you self-promotion you know and uh and you call up to a site like that and and you just mentioned hi my name is mark from poughkeepsie and i've got a website you know one two three happy puppies.com uh, and here's my question. That's fine. Uh, people are fine with that. Or if you have a real question about your site, that's fine. But when you when you start calling up and and say, hey, um, what do you think of this website I made? You know, they, they're they're not going to be too happy about right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Add to the add to the content. Give some give some value. Create something of some value. Be it your question or the the just topic you want to discuss. Yeah. That you'll you'll be much more well received. All right. Uh, so James, you. Uh, We've talked before that you sort of started with the book first. Wasn't that the case? Started with the book first. I did not start with any type of podcasting, audio. I didn't start with video. I wrote a book and it sort of it, it moved up from there, or, or at least my idea of what I could do with this moved up from there. So it was an interesting change of pace. A lot of people start their podcasting first or they have experience building these other things. Um, and, and it was more of just of a of a experiment what what would happen if i took this material in a book and made videos from them would would that even be useful for anybody and it all sort of sort of evolved from that eventually the experiment got out of the lab and now we've got these other things going on and and podcasts and other videos online and those types of things and and we're still tweaking it every time i sit down every month it seems we will sit down and talk about are we doing the right thing? Are we going the right direction? Are we are we doing the right things with what we want to do? Which I think is an important thing to consider if you're getting into podcasting or you have a podcast or you have a website or you have videos or you're doing any of these things is that you don't have to keep doing that one thing if you don't want to. You have the option to, to do a lot of different things and to blend them all together. When I started doing podcasting well over a year ago, I had a podcast, which was the mobile classroom that lasted for a little while. It wasn't live streamed. It was something offline. Now I'm doing more of a live podcast where we stream it live. There are lights. There's multiple camera angles. There's a video switcher. It's a little more production. It's a little more work to figure it out. A lot of more moving parts. I would have never thought we would have gotten to that point just by writing a book someday. But these things, as, as, as anything on the internet tends to do, just sort of leads one thing into the other. There's a lot of concentric diversification between all of those pieces. And I just kind of rolled with it. And see, I'm working that backwards. I started with a podcast and now I'm writing a book. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> Good point. And, and you know, Steve is, uh, you've got the, the fantastic training for the, the laptops, which led into other podcast ideas, which has led into other things completely. They all blend together. Right. Uh, I, yeah, there's, there's no, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say my uh, grand ploy for bumping up my numbers was mm -hmm. to invite two people who have more numbers than I do to do a show with me <laughs> every week. 
See, <laughs> and that uh, that seems to have worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> That's very smart. <laughs> Good one. I actually <laughs> talked about that in my videos. <laughs> um, yeah. Gosh, I forget what I was going to say now. Um, but the original question mark was of this topic was what you should have in place before what you should do before you start right. podcasting, right? What you absolutely should should do before you actually do your first show is that right? Because basically, I, yeah. I, the one the, one of the things that I made sure I had before I started promoting my show to the world was I had a website and it was my URL. It wasn't like you said, like um, something on Blogspot, and it wasn't something just on a YouTube channel. It was an actual website. It was a home, my, what I considered my home base. And I think everybody should create a home base, meaning their site, a place on the net where people can come to you and you could send people that's yours with a, your own domain name um, in place before you, you actually start promoting your show because it gives you so much control. When somebody asks, you know, like, wh where can I find your show? Oh, go to podnuts.com. Don't say go to youtube.com slash podnuts because right. then YouTube shows all their ads. You want them to go to your site because if you have a message for that person, you put it on your site and they'll see what you want them to see. So make sure you have a professional looking website and make sure it's up and running and functional and make sure you're in place, I say, before you do your first show and have a home base. That's not a Twitter. It's not a Facebook. It's not YouTube. It's not whatever. It's a site. And you can have all those other things too, but have a home base. And I think that that's an important thing to have in place when you, before you start. I think it's critical to own that space. Uh, you know, I, all of our stuff is uh, we have a hosted provider. I don't run the servers out of my basement. But I own 100% of the content. I keep my own backups. I've got the SQL databases. I've got the files. I can pull that suck, uh, thing out and drop it on any other site in about half an hour. Uh, and then, you know, change the DNS redirects. And I'm down for maybe a day max if my hosting provider suddenly decides to, to go out of business or the, the RIA closes them and rips all their servers out, like happened to Rackspace uh, uh, not too long ago. They just say, we're just going to take all of those servers. We don't care who they host. And, and if you um, are using um, Google Sites or uh, WordPress.com, uh, not not talking about the WordPress uh, suite, but the, right. the the site, the you're up at their capriciousness uh, is your livelihood. There's there's nothing you can do if they decide to cut you for whatever reason for copyright infringement because they suddenly don't like people with pug noses, you know whatever. There's nothing you can do about it. So I like to make make sure you own the site, own the domain. You know, domains are cheap. You can go to, you know, GoDaddy. Uh, they don't make they don't uh, pay me to say this. GoDaddy, please pay me to say this. But you can go to GoDaddy.com sure. and for twelve bucks, you can own your domain and they'll host it for you. And you've got all the DNS and it's done and it's like five minutes. And uh, yeah. then you can set that redirect up to to Blogspot or something if you want to. But then still you own. Do you own the digital real estate? And I think that's critical. I see a lot of people make mistakes by using some other service, and like Blueberry or something like that, and totally trusting them or Stitcher Radio, and and they don't they don't have any recourse. And if the prices suddenly double overnight, they're screwed. Right. Prices double, or some of the most heart wrenching stories that you can see or hear and you see them all the time. And especially I remember as Facebook was getting more popular and these people were building their brand on Facebook, their Facebook page was effectively their, their business page. And then someday 
Facebook just turned it off for whatever reason. Violation of terms of service, whatever that means. In in their mind, there was no terms of service. In fact, there may not have been any type of a thing that they did wrong or whatever, but somebody at Facebook or somebody at Twitter or somebody at pick the other service decided that they didn't, that was, that wasn't right. It wasn't appropriate. They got rid of it and then it's turned off. Then you're gone. There's nothing there. I like the idea of having a plan B. And if you're building a podcast and you're really planning for this to be a company, planning for it to be a business, you need a plan B. Sometimes you need a plan C. I love your comment, Mark, about taking this uh, content that you have. It is stored right here next to me. It's in a database. There's tons of little plugins you can get to do this automatically for you. We're not talking about hiring an IT guy and plugging things in. Some very simple ways to have this always set up to send you a copy. You'll always have it there. And if tomorrow your website provider goes bankrupt, everything gets turned off, their power goes out and they have nothing they can do for you or something happens with Facebook or something happens with Twitter, you move your domain, which you own, to another machine, which you can now own or at least rent for a while, pull it up in there in an hour or so and now you're back up and running. And if you've got a podcast, you also have to think about where's all my podcast living? What would be the second option? We'll talk a little bit about Libsyn and some of the other services out there. Then you also have to have to think about what else could I do with this? Um, I, I think I've got almost 700 videos on YouTube today. And I think to myself, what if something happened where YouTube turned it off? They decided that material was, was not appropriate. Terms of service violation turned me off tomorrow what would I do? And I have a plan B that I would go to. I would not be happy about that plan B, but you got to do something. So you you come up with some way to mitigate this problem and go to your next thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the plan B, I, I don't even have one completely figured out myself yet, but as long as you have your stuff on your own website and backed up locally, you're in decent shape. Yeah, and and you know I don't do my backups every night uh, like like james was talking about but i do uh, uh i have copies of everything that i could upload re-upload at, at a minute's notice so you know uh, i might lose a forum a few forum posts or something like that if the if the sql database were uh were stale but otherwise um i wouldn't lose much but i i am a paranoid uh tinfoil hat guy uh t- to some degree because uh, i run linux right we're all like that mm-hmm. um and uh um, <laughs> I from the beginning I wanted to make sure I own this and uh one thing that people often underestimate is the amount of storage and bandwidth you need hmm. and and if you go with a cheap hosting site that says unlimited read the fine print unlimited almost never means unlimited it's unlimited uh, till you reach the limit right it's and, unlimited and by people <laughs> you mean me I never quite get it right right <laughs> yeah and you're doing video which is way yeah. worse you know I we're yeah. using Ustream for our video um, and I don't put any effort into video at all because uh, right now there are uh, nine people watching and that's actually a big number for us. So <laughs> it's just sort of a value add. If you're there for it, fine. If you're not, that's fine. But I do use, uh, uh, I do recommend, and I think we had that in the notes to talk about it, is have some sort of live backup. And Ustream is my backup. I record everything I do. And there have been two times when I've had to pull it down from Ustream and use that because something happened locally and I lost my data. Uh, but back to the original point, you need to make sure that you have the ability to stream that out. So you put up one podcast. What happens, Steve, if you call Leo Laporte and 5,000 people go to download it instead of a couple of hundred? Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure you can handle that. Yeah. 
Totally. Totally. If yeah, and like you said about the unlimited hosting, if you get big, you're going to grow out of that. It's n- it's not unlimited for the long haul, and then you're going to have to put some money into it. But usually, when you get numbers big enough, where you have to grow, when you grow out of shared web hosting, then you probably have enough listeners and a f- not big enough fan base that you're probably making some money, so you can pay for it. So it's right. not a huge deal. I mean, unlimited takes you a long. I mean, uh, the shared hosting takes you a long way. And it's I like a good host kind game. of problem. Yeah, it's a good problem, and you'll you'll be able to be able to handle it when the time comes. Um, I love HostGator, and I've I've been with them for years, even before I started podcasting, and um, never had a problem with them. In fact, I was ha- I was I was so happy with their customer service, and I'm talking about their customer service and telling all my guys on my podcast how great they are and stuff. And then one time, I actually did have to call for a reason. I had an error or something on my site, and I, I couldn't figure it out, and I called them. And a Podnuts listener was actually the guy who answered the phone at HostGator. Huh. He, he, uh, he was a listener of the show. He was, my, he was the guy that handled my problem. So uh, I liked him even more after that, actually. That's awesome. I use, <laughs> as long as we're dropping names, I use HostMonster, um, another service that's uh, very popular out there. I have paid for the um, dedicated server option. So I'm, it's still shared hosting in that there's a... Uh, uh, we're in a bank of stinks, but I have my own CPU core. Basically, yeah. is the way it works. I've got my own sort of virtual machine. They, they, st- I have shell access into it, and I can, I can d- uh, do things like that. Um, and it, it wasn't expensive. Uh, hundred and twenty or so a year. I mean, ten bucks a month. Um, what do they call that? Virtual? It's V something, right? VPS, virtual private hosting. Or something? Yeah, I, I don't can't. remember what it is. Every company okay. has their own name for it. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, it's uh. Uh, it's it's cheap and it's easy and they say unlimited but reasonable is the way they put it. It's basically when you start affecting other people's performance, then they will call you and they'll talk about what the, what their promise in their terms of service is. We're not mm. going to cut you off. We're going to call you and renegotiate terms. And and I'm I'm okay with that. If I start sure. affecting other users, yeah, let's renegotiate. But don't pull the switch to get my attention. Totally. Yep. Yep, I run uh, a dedicated server, not a virtual server, but I have a dedicated physical box at one and one is who I use. Um, and and I, it's interesting how I managed to find one and one to do this because they are they're a relatively big company, and you see their ads, and they do these full page ads, and mm-hmm. they're a pretty big hosting organization. Uh, but they've just been incredibly reliable with what they've been providing, and I have, I have moved up from a smaller installation to now what is a a single device that provides this because what part of what i offer today is downloadable access to people who want to purchase videos and they can download it immediately and i so i got plenty of disk space and i have my own physical disks my own physical machine with my own access and and i got the one that uh, for better or worse, you have the options when you start doing some of these things to have a managed service where a nice person will make sure the box stays up or non-managed. And I thought, well, I'm very technical. I'll take the non-managed service. And uh, so, so far, it's been it's been okay. There have been times when I've had to do some crazy things and I've had to upgrade some software. And then of course in Linux, you have dependencies on certain softwares and the, the CentOS that they are using is not a type of distribution that is updated often. So you get into these IT problems. I just want to make videos. I don't want to spend a lot of time doing IT on my server. So it's one of those, yeah, I've got control and I like having control. But at some point, I would like someone else to do some of these things for me. 
Is there that much of a price difference between managed and unmanaged? I bet I bet it is. Really, there was not. Um, in fact, I want to say there may not have been any price difference between yeah. the two. Uh, very, very little. So it's just, in fact, I think in some ways they like to be able to manage the boxes because I have my own password. They can't get into my box. If I call support, they will, they'll ask me, what's your root, root login? I like, I can give you a password, but I've already configured the device not to allow root login. And they're like, what are you, huh? What are you talking about? Why would you, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when you, when you have a security course, the box better be secure. That's right. yeah. It's one of those things. That's funny. Um, so you do have to think about that. And I think the next jump will be larger boxes, load balancing, a managed service, because at some point, it, it's the numbers game. You have to make a decision on what's going to be best for the business. Yeah, and I'm in a position right now where, uh, first off, our, tight, uh, our uh, f- uh, flagship show is called the Tightwad Tech. So that tells you a little about about who I am. You know, I, I'm looking for free or cheap or, um, you know, as inexpensive as I can possibly get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I'm not making a dime off of anything right now. Um, this is all coming out of my pocket. I call this an expensive hobby. Some people restore cars. Some people play golf. Some people collect wine. I podcast. That's my expensive hobby. I'm spending money every month on this expensive hobby, hoping that someday it will reverse and be a money-making sort of thing. But as we talked about last week, uh, money isn't your goal, shouldn't be your goal. That's a that's not necessarily a, a realistic expectation. But uh, so I look for the the lowest cost alternative possible, and uh, Host Monster fits that bill, and it's cheap, and so far it's working. And at some point, I hope to outgrow them. That would be nice to outgrow them. Yeah. But that's when you go to them and say, "I'm bringing twenty thousand people a week to your servers. How about you put a banner on my site and give me?" a dedicated box for free or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, then, then, you, then you become a partner instead right. of a customer. Good call. Yeah. Uh, and the next thing that I, w- I wanted to talk about is uh, something that I have said many times on, on different shows. Anytime I speak to anybody, this is my phrase that I use, and you'll hear me say it again, and that is no first drafts. Nowhere in life is a first draft acceptable. When you, when you were going through school and you were writing a paper, you write, you read, you rewrite, you never, you never turn in a first draft. When you're, um, building anything, it always goes through revisions. You know, your house was not drawn out on a napkin and then drawn. It went through a number of people, went through a number of revisions. Even the crappy journalism in newspapers has gone through a number of rewrites. Maybe it started out as good journalism and it was a rewrite that made it crappy, but, too many people in podcasting accept first drafts. I'm going to hit record. I'm going to talk. I'm going to throw it up there. And that's all there is to it. And frankly, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you hit record. You threw it up there. Um, and you can set yourself apart from the millions of other podcasts out there just by putting a little bit of effort into post-production. Try to make things sound as good as you can from the beginning and then go back and make them sound better afterwards. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but pre-production. We have notes that we're going off of right now. They're loose notes, but we have a roadmap of where we're going. I didn't just call these guys up and say, all right, uh, what do you want to talk about this week? We put some time and some effort into this. So this is essentially the second draft, right? Already, we're doing it live. We're doing the second draft because we did the first draft in the notes. Then I'm going to go back and edit out all the stupid stuff I say. And leave <laughs> leave your st- uh, stuff in. Um, and, and, is that how this works? And that'll be the, the, the final edit. So no first drafts allowed. Burn that into your brain that you will not post a first draft ever. 
And here's a good reason why not to, because you have the attention of somebody who actually t- is taking the time to listen to your podcast. And if you blow it, they're, they're not going to listen probably anymore, especially if you, it's a new show, it's your first show. And they're like, let me see what, how this new show is. And they listen to the first five minutes and it just, it's just terrible. And you don't have anything prepared, right? You're just kind of just, you know, wandering all over the place and it's just unstructured and it's just not good. There, you just kind of blew it with that listener. You don't want to do that. If you have somebody's attention just for a couple seconds, you know, make sure that it's good and professional so you keep that person because you only have so many chances with these people and that's you're using their time. So don't blow it. Their right? most so valuable I, commodity, their time. There is yeah. nothing more valuable. Yep. It's one of those things where you do have to make a decision at some point as to how much of certain things you're going to prepare and how much you're not with my video training series i spend an excruciating amount of time in pre-production content creation getting the lighting right filming the video and then in post editing it to make it as appealing as possible for the people who are trying to study these very technical things but on my podcast that i do on saturday I'm sitting there with someone else. I'm sitting there with my wife and we're talking back and forth over these stories. And uh, if if I know during the week that this is something we're going to talk about and she, for some reason, brings it up, I go, oh, no, no, mm-mm, can't talk. Don't talk about that. Got to save that for the show. No, no. Right. Can't talk. Nope. <laughs> right. Nope. Don't. But I want it. No, we can't. Can't talk <laughs> about that. So that's one of those times where it's, it is good. The, the podcast itself, the content of the podcast in that scenario I have no idea what she's going to say. I have no idea what she's going to think about that because we haven't talked about it. It is effectively a first draft because that's by design, but everything else wrapped around it, the the camera angles we've got set up, the microphone configuration we've got there, where this video is going to be stored afterwards, how it will be compressed, how it will be put online, how people access it have all been well thought out prior to us ever sitting down and beginning the podcast. Yeah, have you guys yeah. ever listened to a podcast that was obviously two people reading a script that they had written? Why, uh, I do not know what you are talking yes. about, Mark. <laughs> what an excellent point. Mind-numbingly boring. I uh, hate so, scripts. Yeah. It, it's got to be a balance of spontaneous and planned. So plan your spontaneity. Yeah. So say right here between minute 15 and minute 17, we're going to be spontaneous. Uh, <laughs> or, or if you have a topic, that's good enough. Have a topic. Right. Don't have a script. Yeah, people are. Uh, most people have a dreadful way of reading something and trying to communicate that they're what they're reading to. It's a skill you have to learn. Right. Being able to read something off of a piece of paper and making it interesting to somebody else who's listening, and uh, unless you're really darn good at that, and it's a tough skill, uh, just just be uh, be yourself and just have a topic and talk about that. Right, I, I do. I you have to spend time with that. There's in, in putting a podcast, you stick a microphone in front of somebody who is incredibly fluent, who can carry on a conversation, who has the best stories whatsoever, and you stick a mic in front of them, and nothing comes out, right. and or or what's coming out is not what you were expecting. And the same right. thing with a camera, where that is that is it's sort of this weird trained skill. Uh, that that as Steve mentioned, you have to learn how to talk to the camera. Hello, camera. How are you today? <laughs> Let me tell you a story that I have, Mr. Camera. And it, it's one where you have to ease into it. It, in some cases, takes years to finally get to a point where you're not even thinking about that aspect of it any longer. It's a microphone. In fact, right. I want to talk into the microphone. Give me the microphone. Come on, give me, <laughs> give me, give me, and I'll take it from there. Um, it's a different mindset. It just takes practice. And that's it's it's practice. That's really 
what it is. If you feel yeah. a little discouraged now or you're nervous when you get in front of the mic, just keep doing it and keep doing it. And that just goes away. That's all Completely it is. Completely normal. Completely normal. And we've all, everybody on this podcast, everybody on every podcast has had to get used to that. And it's yeah. just something you have to work through. Right. Because there's that, that thing. It's like you're on display. Ready? Go. Be funny. Be entertaining. Yep. Be educational. Go. No pressure. Don't suck. Um, but also, <laughs> oh, when, I don't have that worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> while we're talking about editing and post-production, all that sort of stuff, don't go crazy with the post-production. Don't go in there and edit out every time you said, um, first off, you will go nuts because you will spend seven hours editing a one hour show. Don't do that. But also you're, you're a person be you. The odds are you are not a radio host with 30 years of experience. Don't try to pretend like you are. Just be you, and your audience is going to respond to that. The, the beginning of the show where we spent 10 minutes talking about bacon, as weird as that was and free-flowing, that was actually planned. I have a section in the notes called warm-up, parentheses, personal stuff, not about the show topic. That's the idea where you get to know us. You don't know me. You don't know James. You don't know Steve. Now, maybe if you're regular listeners to, to Steve's stuff for the years that he's been doing it, you probably feel like you know him, but only because he has shared his life with you over time. So that's an important, I think it's as important a, a part of the show as anything else is, is give yourself time to be you, to ramble, to talk, to go off topic, but also know when to rein it back in. Totally. I've had so many comments uh, about my shows where they say, you know, my favorite part of when you're doing a show is when you guys were talking about bacon or when you guys... When you said that thing to Door and it was just totally off the subject, we, we always bring it back in. But that I, I'm finding just from response from people that that side color is just a good thing to have. So, yeah, don't be afraid of going off on tangents because actually people might not, maybe not everybody, but most people find it interesting and fun. It keeps the podcast flowing. And it is context-based because you've got certain situations and certain podcasts that are going to be a different style than others. I have formal training videos I do where there's really very little humor. There's not a lot of umming in there. It's not off the cuff. It's a well-prepared uh, instruction. Now, it still is free form, and I'm still talking and saying, yes, this is how you do it. And let's open up a, a window and let's type this in. Look what happens. Look, we can see this on the screen. But that's as far off script as you're going to get. You're not going to get a lot of bacon humor in a training video, although <laughs> maybe I should have more bacon humor in a training video. But every month I do a live study group session where I get everybody on live and it's like we're all sitting in a room and studying for the exam. And I'll take questions from everybody and we'll talk about them. And I always post up the funniest question of the week. Uh, I have the ability to tangent. I'm there for an hour or an hour and a half and you can be more relaxed and you can be more yourself and you can get more of that out there. It's just going to depend on what context you would like to have that in. Yeah. It's always good to show a little personality and especially for podcasting. Like James really, it's, said, it's it, for it, anything, isn't it? You, you have to yeah. be you. Totally. I'm all for that. I, I use such a like a banal, like we said before, phrase, which is keep it real. And I, I, I really try to live by keeping it real. And that's, I based Podnuts off of keeping it real. So there's very little scripting. I get real people on that talk about real subjects and we have a real conversation. And that has, I think, been a real plus point for uh, how the shows have gone. And so, uh, Steve, something you wanted to talk about, and, and I know, again, this could be an entire series of shows. We could spend probably two months talking about this is get your 
in your pre-production and while you're planning it, while you're not doing a first draft, focus on the highest audio quality possible for you. Now, that's not to say professional grade, super extensive quality, but the best you can do and make sure it really is the best you can do. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't cost a lot to get a decent sound, you know, unless you're using a real crappy, like like these Apple earbuds. If I was using these to podcast, that would not be good. But do your best to make the best possible audio quality that you can. And if that means going out and getting a fast track like Mark got on eBay for 30 bucks and a decent mic, that's worth it. Um, even some good USB headset mics will do the job. But don't put out like a staticky overdriven with a lot of like um you know breaks and uh like piece of garbage you got to put out something that's going to sound good that if you listen to it you'd be like i accept this audio quality it's good i would i i'm proud to put my name on it and get that in place too before you start doing your show because that's an important factor one of the uh, very best when when i was just starting into doing video i was recording everything on the tape um i was capturing the audio on the camera and I, uh, I was working for an organization that had purchased a piece of video recording software that would run on a laptop on a desktop computer. And at the time, it was really very early. It was, it was a piece of software that, that did not run very well unless you had a really nice system set up because, of course, the requirements for audio and video were like that. And we certainly weren't doing 720 PhD. We were just getting VGA out of it. And they sent along with the software what must have been a five ten dollar microphone and it was this little black cylinder microphone with a little clip on it and that was the best sounding microphone you would have ever hoped for <laughs> it came out of a it came out of a cheerios box <laughs> there was no way this sounded so good and i also purchased because i thought i would need a professional lavalier microphone and i ended up getting better performance and a better sound out of this little chintzy little $10 mic that, that I ended up calling the company that made the software and said, where'd you get this mic from? <laughs> I need a couple more of these. And they they said, Oh, well, here they are. It's just, it's just clearing house. Just buy it. You know, it's 10, 15 bucks and, and bring it in. And what a remarkable difference. And it was one of the things that was so important. And whether you're doing video, whether you're doing audio, Steve is absolutely correct. Work on the audio. Get rid of the hum. Get rid of any clicking noises. Get rid of any of those things because you can put up with some bad video, but audio is very, very difficult to listen to for any long period of time. And we, we'll talk about the equipment in further episodes that you should use to get rid of the hum and the, any buzzing and stuff like that because it's, it's doable and it's, it doesn't have to cost a lot. PC Freddy in the chat room says that we're uh, this from the Heil boys, referring to the fact that we all have the, the Heil PR40 microphone, uh, but none of us started with that, all right? Uh, I've only had this a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm holding it up here on the, uh, on the stream for the, f those of you watching. This is the mic that I did over 200 shows with, an M, uh, Audio-Technica M4000. Um, it's about a $23 microphone, um, and we sounded... Pretty darn good, I think. Mm -hmm. This sounds a little better. Not a lot better, but a little better. Steve tonight is using uh, an SM58, which you can buy for 75 bucks pretty much anywhere. You can get one yep, used nice. for probably $30. And yep. a 25-year-old um, SM58 is as good as a brand new SM58. So, uh, you know, buy used gear if it's, if it's good gear. Uh, so we have tried to uh, move up, and you always will. 
you'll try to move up and try to get better. But you can start very low, uh, very inexpensive, and get better quality than a, a lot of things out there. It, it, it's one of those things where um, you, you know that photographers will tell you this. It, yes, it's important to get glass and it's important to get a camera with certain capabilities and features in it. But ultimately, it's the eye of the photographer. And it's exactly the same thing with podcasting or with creating media of any kind. You can have a low quality microphone. You can have a low, even a lower end computer and still produce some very, very nice results with that. And it's true. We're sitting here with these big, fancy, schmancy microphones on this podcast, but it's only because we started with some of the other things and moved up to those. And I was, I was literally digging in the drawer next to me to try to hopefully find that microphone. I've still got it around here somewhere because if once you've run into one of those mics, it's really good. You keep it around because <laughs> you never know when you'll be able to take advantage of that. James, it's funny. I, I have my original mic to hand too. Uh, I was just sitting right on the shelf as Mark was talking about his. I did hundreds of shows with this AKG condenser mic. It's this, mm -hmm. It was the C2000B. It came with a set of headphones, which I also used for hundreds of shows. And I got it at Guitar Center for like 99 bucks on sale. So that was my that was my step-up mic for my original mic, which was about 30 bucks. And this lasted me for hundreds of shows. So, yeah, it does, doesn't have to cost you a lot. Uh, James, with with his awesome voice, he's he's the voice, is coming to you over a three dollar USB sound card. There you go. That I bought on Amazon.com. It what? doesn't have to be expensive. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. The uh, the the machine that you're all skyping in on um, is is a box that I have uh, the built in regular sound card plus three additional cheap little $3 USB sound cards, and that's how I do the multi-Skype, multi-channel uh, recording thing. And he sounds awesome, and he's coming over a super cheap USB sound card. In wow. fact, it's better than the, the built-in one because the electronics are separated from stuff. The USB right. insulates it. That's amazing. All of my audio inputs and the one I'm sending to you right now is over a $20 USB audio input. Really? Yep, right off the mixer shocked you guys <laughs> yeah i know and and i look in the in the books and you can i mean this is like buying a boat you can really soak some money into podcasting and i'm reading through the the latest magazines the latest catalogs and i see these these usb input and the firewire input and they're like four hundred dollars and i'm thinking i'm using it $20 audio input. And I've, I've actually gotten some and tried them out and thinking, this is just too complicated. I just need to plug in the USB and I'll be good. And I'm sure right. there's absolutely some advantages there if I was recording live music and I needed very, very fast response to be able to keep up with everything else going into my computer. There are absolutely advantages to having the higher end USB firewire inputs with you've got XLR inputs on the front of them. Yes, but I don't need that. And yeah. the technology is such that 20 bucks and I'm good to go. Yeah. And yep. I, I don't want to make a habit of plugging this, but I mentioned that I'm writing a book. Uh, uh, it's going to, it doesn't, doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> I, I, I've gone through like four different names, but uh, I'm going to detail all of this stuff. Uh, and, and it's going to be about how I do podcasting. It's going to be an audio book. Um, and that's that's the chapter I'm working on right now is is my setup, my gear, and how you can get um, uh, quasi professional. I don't want to call myself professional sounding. I, I'll let you decide if I sound like a professional or not. Uh, but you can get those results uh, for 
you know, using very inexpensive component uh, commodity stuff. I mean, James, you said yours, your USB input cost twenty dollars. I laugh at you. I bought all three of mine for less than twenty dollars. <laughs> I know I paid way too much. Clearly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and remember, it's voice podcasting is voices. It's not music. It, you don't have to capture every nuance. Um, voices sound good. Um, on cheaper equipment, they're perfectly fine. It's perfectly acceptable. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Like if you're like recording, you know, um, a, ba- a band music, it's different story. But voices, you get away with a lot of stuff. One of these now, days, now, Steve I've and I heard- are going to have to have a slap fight over stereo versus mono. He does <laughs> mono, I do stereo, and and I heard him say uh, one night literally that anybody who does stereo is is uh, ludicrous. So you you called me ludicrous, Steve. I well, I still. Go yeah. by that. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have that slap fight sometime because I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I have a question for Steve, and this kind of goes to the point he was making: that make your audio sound good. But I had to go through three or four or five different audio inputs, including some that were built into my mixer that was a- an atrocious failure before right. I ever finally got to what I've got now. In fact, I moved off of what I had now to try something that clearly must have been better because it cost $200 and it was a failure and finally went back to this. How, wow. If you're starting off in podcasting, how would you know what to even buy? How would you know where to invest that money? What can you do to learn more about what you should be purchasing to plug into your computer or to connect your audio and get these things recorded? You can listen to my book or visit Steve's <laughs> website. Howtopodcast.biz. You took the words right out of my mouth, Mark. Well, I'm glad I was able to do that. <laughs> no, uh, I, I did talk about that in the videos I did because it's an important point. And I, I went through a lot of of things too before I actually found something that was good. The, I guess the rule of thumb is whatever you could buy at Best Buy or Radio Shack, um, to me, as far as a place to, to plug your mic into your computer and get a good mm-hmm. sound, those aren't the places you want to shop. You want to go to a music type store like a Guitar Center or Sam Ash or on, online at a Sweetwater or Musician's Friend and get an actual USB audio interface that accepts like a, a XLR connection, a real mic connection. Usually the the analog to digital conversion on them will get you through. It'll do the job. Like the fast track Mark was talking about, you know, that's okay. That's decent. Uh, there's a new uh, little box came out by, from a company called Focusrite, and it's got nice amps. They actually make your mic sound nice and smooth. They're called preamps. And uh, that thing runs for about 150 So, hmm. you know, if you get in that range, you're pretty safe. You know, if you're under 100 bucks, there's some great stuff, but you have to know what, what stuff is great. Um, so just be careful if you're under a hundred. If you're over a hundred, you could probably uh, get something decent and uh, be be pretty safe. But always always just check reviews online for things. That's what I do. Buy from places that have liberal return policies. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Musicians Friend has a forty five day no questions asked return policy. I like Musicians Friend for that reason. I can buy something if I don't like it. Forty five days is plenty of time to find out it doesn't work for me, and I can send it back and pay a small restocking fee. So uh, check that out. And yeah. my not you discounted uh, to Best Buy, but my Best Buy has a music store inside of it. That's one of the things Best Buy was is trying out. So I can go in there and get the M audio, get some of the same types of of audio equipment at my Best Buy that I would normally have to go to Musician's Friend or something else for. Uh, but they have, for instance, I use a a Behringer U-Control for my USB. The one I've got plugged in right now that we're listening is from Griffin. It's an iMic. It's it's today specific to 
Uh, I think they even have, will work on a PC. Um, but, but it's one of those things that now I can even start going to Best Buy because they're figuring it out. They're realizing there is a market for these kinds of things that are outside what we expected. And even they're trying to figure out the best place to go. Yeah, those, those Best Buys are the exception. Mine yes, has that too. That's true. I don't, I don't know how many of them do, but they're nice. They have all the audio interfaces there. Those Best Buys actually have a music, separate music department. It's actually a separate room. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though, even if they don't have a separate room, and they might even start to be stocking on their shelves one or two nice audio interfaces. So yeah, Best Buy was probably not the best uh, yeah. example. But don't buy it from the computer section. Buy it from the music right. section. There you go. Yeah, I started, uh, I've been working with bands and live music and recording uh, since like 1989 or so. Uh, I was uh, a long-haired hippie who wanted to change the world with my music back then. Um, and the stuff that the, that we have today that you can, you can order online for Musician's Friend for $150 is better than full-on studio equipment was 20 years ago. So... Um, even if you buy the cheap stuff, you're going to be pro grade from a decade back. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, it, it, you may look at, you can may compare it to modern stuff and say it's not as good as is available now, but it's better than everything the Beatles ever recorded on. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, and then the, the James, you had a, a quote in here. I'm, I'm interested to see what you're talking about. What's your end game? What is your end game? Because we're talking about before you get going with the podcast what do you want this to be and and we've talked a little bit today about um uh not necessarily thinking that this is going to be financial gain although you should if that's what you would like to be able to do with it you should be building a business plan around that piece but not everybody podcasts for the hopes of having financial gain some people like myself I don't, I don't necessarily am that concerned about revenue with my podcast. I would like people to listen to it, but I primarily use it as not only a creative outlet, but also a marketing outlet for the other things that I do. So I don't care if I ever sell ads on a podcast because I'm really doing the podcast to extend the brand that I already have. So that's one nice part about what I'm doing. That's my end game. I have other people that I know that would like to build a podcast that has a certain number of people listening to it where I could sell advertising and then that advertising will get me somewhere. I have other people I know that would like to build, um, you may have seen these, um, a series of interviews with industry experts where you pay someone who's very knowledgeable in the field to sit down with you for four hours, you record it, and now you have a product after you've collected 10 or 12 of these, a meeting of the minds or a, a, a knowledge base of, of people who know what they're doing that you can even have a product to sell. So it really depends on where you're coming from, but you should figure that out first. It shouldn't be one of those things that later on, when you're 50 episodes into this, you may think, you know, I started doing this absolutely wrong from the very beginning. I, I would add on to that, um, build in different scenarios like if if you're starting a podcast for fun go ahead and try to to uh conceive of a business plan while you're at it because it may turn into a money-making thing and and so then you know you're prepared for that have contingencies and if you're if you're uh doing it to make money how long are you willing to put up with it without making money before you either call it quits or change your your game plan 
right? There's people you pay to listen to the podcast. It's a subscriber model. There's people that have everything blocked off except maybe a, a members only section. So you only hear part of the content. You have to pay to have other content. Other people, it's absolutely free. It depends on what you would like to do coming out of the gate. But as you mentioned, it doesn't preclude you from changing that later on. It's actually interesting. One of the things that happened to me is as you do podcasts and as you get several under your belt and you get feedback from your listeners, they're going to say things that they want and they would like to have from you. And it's almost like doing the podcast as a self-generating survey of your listeners because you're going to get feedback from it. And the way you sell, the way sales works is you, you, create something that fills a demand and you sell it to people that want that thing, that demand are demanding that thing. Well, when you find out what enough of your listeners want, do that. Sell that thing. When I was doing uh, computer repair stuff, the, the biggest question I got, the biggest question I got was, how do you ever fix laptops? How do you repair laptops? Tell us more about laptops. We want about laptops. So I said, okay. I, I, of course, I kept talking about laptops in the show, but I also made that laptop repair videos and um i already knew there was a demand for it so it was a is a no-brainer so as you're doing uh, your podcast listen to your feedback and take it as this is what people want uh, if you get enough people asking for the same thing uh it give, might give you a good idea of what to make a product based around yep i like it i like it sound advice from the the businessman um <laughs> what, what i was thinking uh, as you were talking james is your uh, professormesser.com product could easily be a four pay thing and you have four pay sections of it, but the nature of what you do could easily be four pay. What, what Steve and I do really couldn't. Nobody is going to pay to hear me pontificate or to hear uh, Steve talk about uh, the latest Android apps. They're just not going to do that. So he had to have a different revenue model. Uh, so you've got to, right. you got to be prepared to, to step outside of just the podcast. Now, in your case, James, you could do nothing but four pay podcasts if you wanted to, and because of the nature of your content and your uh, the brand that you have built, that would work well for you. My and my business model from the very beginning was to do everything free and then have other products off to the side if people wanted those. So it, it, there's so many different ways to build yeah. your business model and the way that it would work. That happened to be the one I went with that works for me and my style and my personality and what I wanted to make available to people. And I have tried other podcasts that had membership sections and uh, you could only, the, a member heard every, every fourth one uh, was just theirs. It was exclusive, right. things like that to try it out and see what would happen. And you evolve and you figure it out and you learn the advantages and disadvantages. And ultimately, this is what I've come up with, at least for now. I'm going to give a plug to a a podcast. Uh, It's uh, the, uh, the podcast answer man. Um, And he's, he's done, uh, I don't know. I think he's on like 300 shows right now. Uh, You can find it at podcastanswerman.com. And that's sort of what he's done. He set himself up as the expert in podcasting. And he has um, uh, this new thing he's talking about called the mastermind group, where you pay 300 bucks a month to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's certainly a great revenue uh, uh, stream there, but you you gotta you know gotta make sure that you're capable of doing that. He's put out like three thousand shows over uh, all uh, episodes over all his different shows. Now I will say that I disagree with almost everything he says. And, well, that's and good. When he's talking about uh, when he gives <laughs> answers and when he he is the podcast answer man there, I think everything he says is wrong, and it's <laughs> completely backwards from the way I do it. But people pay him 
300 bucks an hour to listen to it. So it doesn't matter uh, if if he thinks uh, if I think he's wrong. There are people who pay for it, and he is the <laughs> podcast answer man, Cliff Ravenscraft, and yeah. and and that's fine. That's that's what he does. But um, it's it's just it just goes to show you that there are uh, there are people who will pay for your information once they deem that you have information worth giving. Good point. The internet is one of those places where there are so many different ways to build the business and to build the business model. And we've, I'm sure, have all seen these models that rely on doing certain things that perhaps we would be uncomfortable with doing. And maybe it's building cheap websites that that hit a particular topic. Maybe it's uh, dealing with uh, the the ways to get affiliate systems and just plugging affiliate systems. And and there's there's a white hat, there's a black hat, there's kind of a gray hat around that. Ultimately, you have to find the one that fits with the way you want to do business and what you're comfortable with doing from a, a business perspective. Yes. And pick the white hat. Yes. <laughs> I, I, that is what I recommend as well. You're going to be doing this a while. You better make it good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because if, if you go for the the quick scheme, there that doesn't last. You can't make it last. So if you no. if you intend to to stay the core uh, the test of time, integrity is the only way to do that. It's true. And plus you're putting a lot of crap on the internet that doesn't need to be there if you do yeah. it the bad ways. There's already plenty of crap on the internet. Yeah. Uh, speaking of crap. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to go back. Uh, Steve, you were talking about that oh, show. You think, when you think yeah. of crap, you think of yeah. me. That's yeah, hard. exactly. Uh, you were talking about that show that you did on the Linux for the rest of us that was just not up to your standards. It was it was uh, uh, audio speaking. It was a poor quality show. But you put it out because the content was still good. So um, sometimes it's important when, you're, when we're talking about our no first drafts policy, sometimes you got to make that that um estimation of of what makes this worth listening to you know if if you can suffer through the fact that uh the audio isn't as good as you'd like it to be because the content is good then then that's okay but if if you've got superior a uh, superior uh audio quality and a guy who's boring to listen to you know maybe you don't want to put that out so you've got to take it a holistic approach to deciding what's good and what's bad totally you know, if that was the first show we did for Linux for the rest of us, like episode one, we probably would have redone it. But we had a pattern of great shows and it was great content in that show. So I felt people would understand because they've listened to other shows. So they knew they knew something was wrong with that particular show, not that every show was going to be like that. Did and, you put uh, a disclaimer at the beginning of it? No, I think I forgot. I might have. I, I, I either might have or I'm probably forgot so you either did or did not thank you for being so specific <laughs> yes um and then i had another point but i forgot what it was so somebody talk while i try to remember. Well, let me follow up on that because there have been times when i have um created videos and i've sat here for two hours whenever i create my training videos they're done offline there's not really anybody watching and I'll sit here for two hours and go through and, and I'll do seven or eight or nine or 10 of those videos in one sitting. And, um, there have been times when I've now gone back, you, you pull the, the video right off the camera, you put it into your computer and you realize you had it's the audio set way too high and you are blasting out everything. And, and you it can sounds never fix that awful. You can't fix it. There's no going back. And you just have to resign yourself to, okay, I'm now going to scrap every single bit of that work. We're going to re-record. 
and do it over again. And ultimately, the product turned out to be even better because it was sort of like a rehearsal. Now right. you go back and do it again, and you're much better at it the second time through with the content delivery, and then thankfully, much better with the technical aspect of the audio and video as well. Yeah. Or what you could do is you can call a guy up who uh, has another network and ask him to come on your show and do a great show with him and forget to record it. Oh, See, you could do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's something. Steve Steve uh, was on what will forever be known as the missing episode of the Taiwan Tech. He came on. We did a great show. Outstanding content. It was awesome. And and as I said before, I use Ustream as my backup source in case something happens. Well, that day I forgot to hit record, and I had a hard drive crash. So I lost oh. my primary medium. I didn't have a backup medium. Boom, the lost episode. So then I had to send Steve an email and say, dude, that was an awesome show. Want to do it all over again? <laughs> you know, when I was looking in my inbox, Mark, I came across that email a couple days ago, and I read it again. And it was just, you were just like, I can't, you're not going to believe this, but everything we did was gone. And I think my response was, yes, I don't believe that. <laughs> oh. uh. But I, I've done the same thing, and I use Justin TV, not Ustream, uh, Justin.TV. And uh, that automatically records everything you do live. So, and I've had to resort to that several times to grab content that my computer didn't record. So you have to have at least one backup. I have two, but you have to have at least one. Um, we all learn this lesson the hard way. So just take, do it right from the start. <laughs> It's so inexpensive today to get a these these flash recorders. They are one hundred, two hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars for some of these Zoom recorders, and the quality of these things is excellent. They make fantastic backup devices, and you just get into a mode where you start your normal recording system, and then we're going to start that one up as well. If everything right. falls down, I've at least got this tiny little box that's got that flash drive in it that I can go to to grab additional audio or to to at least bring some some of that data back to the present so I don't lose anything. Totally. Yeah, that's important to have that. Uh, what I want to tell on Steve a little bit, when I, when I sent him the email and said, you know, would you like to do it again? And remember, we were, this is like episode 30. We were still pretty new at this. And his response was something to the effect of, why don't you get a little more practice at this and then let me know? Oh, ouch. Yeah. It wasn't Dang, those exact brother. words. It was pretty darn close to it. You, you want me to go dig it out? I could do that. I could let you know. But it was, it I was. I came back on. Yeah, you did. You came back on and it was a great show. But he was, he was condescending in the nicest way possible. That's so you know nice. What? You know what? <laughs> Sorry about that, Mark. But you know what? I think that was, wasn't it like the first show you tried to do video on, I think? It was. It was the first yeah. time uh, we had ever tried to do video, which oh, had okay. nothing to do with anything. Well, I know right. it does. I, sh just... I should have been more understanding. When yeah. you go from audio to video, there's so many factors that you just have to factor Holy in. cow. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a big step. It was just a button I forgot to press. And, well, I mean, the, the fact that the hard drive died, what, what can you do? I mean, <laughs> they, we can talk about making backups all you want, but like as we're recording... The backup, uh, the hard drive died. There's, you know, that there's. I think there's a podcast called "My Hard Drive Died." Yeah, yeah. Uh, who does that, that one? <laughs> we need some we, new episodes of that one. Yeah, I, I know. We'll see if we get that one going again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What else do we have here on the notes? Uh, we talked about the backup. Oh, uh, tracking. It's important. Yes. Um, and I screwed this up. Um, and so I can, I can, uh, speak from this is, is know how you're going to track your site, uh, your stats before you go. And one of the most pivotal ways, really the best way to track things is to, uh, to do that, um, 
in the RSS feed. And so you could do something like um, FeedBurner or PodTrack where you uh, send your RSS feed through another service. So you still have your RSS feed, but the one you publish is theirs. Okay? I didn't do that. I can never go back and use FeedBurner now because if I wanted to, I would have to totally change my RSS feed and all the hundreds of subscribers that I have now would either... Uh, not get their stuff and have to come and figure out why they weren't getting their stuff or I'd have to figure out some sort of crazy server redirect to make sure they get their stuff. So I screwed that up. I can never use that service now, ever. Really? No, I, I rely on Libsyn. I use Libsyn to store and and to manage the storage of all of my podcasts. And I think at this point, I have the biggest Libsyn subscription you can get because all of mine is video. For those of you that aren't familiar with Libsyn, it's L-I-B-S-Y-N, Liberated Syndication. And their their particular business model is one where you buy a certain amount of, of upload amount per month. So if you're going to upload 30 megabytes a hundred megabytes per month, whatever that value is, you pay for that amount and you can upload up to that point. And then it allows whoever an unlimited number of downloads. So as many subscribers as you want, you can have that available to download and they will keep statistics and they will track those things all based on that. And it's a great resource. If you're just trying to figure out podcasting because some of their smaller end uh, subscriptions are very, very inexpensive and they have built-in stats, which is great. So you can really track how many people are downloading what you are doing. And then secondarily, if you wanted to use something like FeedBurner, which is now owned by Google, to be able to track and have RSS management, uh, that you can have some of that there. You can even on top of that, use PodTrack uh, to be able to even track further. And I've have one of my podcasts now where I'm doing all three of those to get a sanity check against all three to see where are these statistics really coming from and what are people really doing with it. And PodTrack is a one that you can go back and do recursively. Uh, you essentially add a tag to your RSS, but it doesn't change the RSS feed. So that's one that you can go back and do. But, but FeedBurner, you can't. Once you're established, once you have uh, uh, listeners or Libsyn, uh, you, you really can't do that effectively. Uh, and what I use is simply the, the download counter on the, the AW stats on my, yep, uh, on your on website. And, and that's good. That there's, sure. it's accurate. It tells me how many people download and it breaks it out from full downloads to partial downloads. And, and so I have that sort of stuff, but that is difficult to impossible to impart to someone else. So if I want to go to a, uh, an advertiser and say, look, I'm getting, you know, a thousand downloads uh, per week for this show. And therefore, based on a CPM of $40 per thousand, I want a thousand dollars, $40 a week for this ad. I, it's hard for me to show them that I, right. there's no dashboard I can point them at. They just have to trust me that I'm not lying to them. Yep. Yeah. That's the, <clears throat> that's the thing about, well, first of all, I love AW stats. That's like my go-to Pro, uh, stat tracking. It's so easy and it's, there's so much good information there. I, I love it. Um, but like you said, PodTrack is, PodTrack is actually a service. I mean, they have a tracking program there, but it's actually a service to help podcasters get advertisers. Mm -hmm. um, they put a free like podcast tracking uh, system in place and anybody can use it. And it, it's actually, I think it's a good idea for everybody from the start to put PodTrack on, on their, to use PodTrack to track their shows because if you get big enough and you get enough listeners, PodTrack 
already knows that from the start and they're the ones that are going to find you advertisers if you want to go with them if you want to go with them cuz you know they they take a cut obviously of whatever profits you make but if you get over like 5000 downloads a show they're going to start to take notice and they're going to say you know uh, we got some advertisers for you so if you have that link already in place that might be a good good thing to have right from the start but um aw stats gets the job done in a crude way but it's it's those are your options yeah uh, how do you guys feel just a quick side discussion about other people's banners on your site. I guess for it would other, depend on podcasts? what other people. <laughs> well, advertisers. So, you know, not just paying you for time in the show, but putting a link on your site or a banner on your site for amount of, for money. I think it's not as effective as actually... It's tough to relay to a conventional company that when you uh, promote something in your podcast, it's actually more effective than putting a banner on your site but a lot of places still just want the banner. So I give them the banner. And um, I, I always make sure that I tried the product and I, I'm, I believe in the company that I'm putting a banner up for. So if I do believe that and they want the banner space, um, I'll, I'll give them that and I'm okay with it as long as I know the product's good. James? I, have, I have people that send me emails quite a bit that says, oh, we have a product and we'd like to put an ad on your site. And I almost 100% of the time uh, tell them no, not interested in doing it. Uh, my challenge is more of just the management process behind it and getting it sold and keeping track of it and how many impressions and that type of thing. And um, it, part of my problem is that Google's just made it way too easy for me to put a certain section or an ad on my site that I can point them to. You go to Google Google will handle all of that back-end business process for me, and your ad will appear on my site in this particular box on this particular page, and I don't have to do anything at that point. And if somebody does click it, then, of course, I get revenue based on that piece. So a lot of that, I've decided I don't want to manage that myself, and we're going to have Google do that process, make sure you're legitimate, make sure these ads are something that um, that are worth Google looking at, and then... If that product applies to what's on my site, then that app will be shown. That's smart. Because that's a good one, James, because I don't like to manage it. I, so I might do the same thing you're doing. Yeah, I, I, it's just a pain for me. And, and I got videos to make. So I'm going to have someone else do that. My current yeah. thinking right now is that I don't ever want to run somebody else's ads on my site. My site is for me and for my ads, for my products. I don't want to run somebody else's ads. Now, my integrity is for sale. So if somebody waves enough zeros in front of me, I will change my tune and I will put a punch the monkey uh, banner on my <laughs> site. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, I just, I don't, I think Steve, like you said, it's, they don't work. They're not effective. Yeah. Uh, savvy people that the kind of kind of people who listen to our shows have an ad blocker on their browser anyway, and are never going to see it. So it doesn't do any good. And at best, the best they can ever be is ugly and distracting. Yeah. So my current thinking on that is just no. Okay. You know, if you do have a company, Mark, that really dovetails nice with uh, what your site offers, then it's not as bad as like a punch, a punch the monkey. <laughs> no, no, not that you would put that on there, but I, I, I rarely accept banners. And I, because I, first of all, I rarely get people asking for it, but the sites that I do accept, and I've turned sites down um it's got to be like right in line with what i'm talking about in my shows it's got to be very computer repair oriented or something and i know that it's good and i've tested it and then it works a little bit but and then, then it's like james says you don't want to manage it and that's i hate wearing my marketing hat and that's my 
one of my biggest downfalls. I, I know I'd make more revenue from it if I managed it, but that's the trade-off. I just want, yeah. I, I don't want the hassle. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, so I, it's it's just a personal thing. And like I said, I, I'm sure it will change at some point. <laughs> Maybe when I have a marketing department and I can put Bill the intern on that and not exactly. afraid about it. Exactly. Okay, so uh, moving right along, I'm going to wrap this con- uh, conversation up and let's move on to our lesson learned this week. Uh, and I'll start out. This is uh, not so much a lesson, but a tool I found. Um, it's a uh, it's called G8 for gate. Uh, it's a VST effect, and I'll put a link to it in the notes. Uh, VST means it'll work uh, live in any uh, digital thing like uh, uh, PreSonus uh, Pro Audio, any of those things, or uh, and it works not live, but uh, uh, post edit in uh, uh, things like Audacity, and it's probably the best digital noise gate that I've found so far. It doesn't do anything else. It's not a compressor. It's not an exciter. It's just a noise gate, but it's a very good digital noise gate. And uh, that's my uh, thing I learned this week. Uh, And um, noise gating is important. And we'll talk a a little bit more about that in another episode, I'm sure. But I think we all agree that, that gating and compression are the most important things you can do to an audio signal, right? For a podcast. Yes, definitely. And I, I was looking at that when I saw that in your notes. And I went and checked it out. It looks pretty cool. It's a free, it's a free VST. Right now, for music compression can be the enemy, but for for the spoken word compression is a big big deal. Yeah, yeah. Compression makes it makes us more listenable. Right. You know how Bud Light has drinkability. Well, we have listenability, and that's why. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, listen, compression helps listenability. It evens, it evens out all of our voices. Right. We'll talk about more about that. But that's a cool plug-in. I, I yeah. got to check it out myself. Check it out. It's just, it's G8, gate. All right. I so, like uh, James, what, uh, what's your lesson learned this week? When I had uh, my mobile classroom podcast a couple years ago, I did all of my RSS editing in a text editor. So I'll, I'll pause a moment for everyone to let that one soak in because this is not an easy thing to do is to create your RSS feed manually, which was effectively what I was doing. Um, and and uh, for this latest round of RSS that I'm doing, I use uh, a, a separate product that is designed to do RSS. That's what it does is, is build the RSS piece and automate the process, which is really the key piece for me so that I can build out an episode at a time and simply fill in the blanks of what it presents to me and then click one button and have it, it stores everything locally on my computer. I can edit, I can massage it, I can I can make it how I want it, exactly how I want it to look. I can access it and make sure it looks how I want it to look when it goes live. And then I can press one button that's inside of here to publish it out to the website and now everybody immediately gets it. It automatically SFTPs or FTPs it up to my website into my feeds directory and then it's done. And beforehand, it would take me quite a while to manually edit these things. Now I've got a piece of software that does it in a matter of seconds. I can get this this podcast completely posted and available with an RSS feed that everybody loves. And you, you do have to work on this a little bit and get a piece of software that's going to work exactly the way you want to work. So there's a lot of different ones out there. I happen to use Feeder because I'm on Mac OS 10, but there's a lot of them for Windows. There's even others for Mac that you could try, others for Linux. 
uh, get that automation in place. The more you're able to do automatically, the happier you're going to be. And ultimately, the more time you'll have to make great podcasts. I use a tool called Podcast Generator. Very creative name. Um, It's an open source uh, PHP uh, service that sits on the server. And I upload the file, fill in a couple of boxes, and it generates the RSS feed for me. So that's, that's how I do it. And since it's open source, I was able to hack the code to 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 make it more in line with me. And while it doesn't have any uh, automated features or scheduling features, I've, I was been able to build that in. So um, like when I'm finished editing this, I'll put it up there and put a schedule, uh, a post date on it, and it will throw that out there using a cron script uh, when when I want it to. So that's wow. that's how I do it. Nice. Steve, what about you? Well, I, one of the benefits for somebody starting out using a blogging platform, not saying use like Blogspot in your URL, right. but like use go to WordPress.org and download WordPress and uh, then use that as your software. That's how I started out. Yeah. Um, you don't have to know how to make an RSS feed because when you post something to those sites, your blog or your site, it, it creates the feed automatically. I use Drupal for my back, my, my for my site. It's actually the structure of my site. And I have a kind of like an administrative backend online. So when I log into my site, that's how I post my shows. I just I upload my show to, to my server and I hit po- I type in the title and a couple things. I hit post and it puts it in my feed. Now, I really, really, really customized the heck out of my Drupal site. And uh, that was a huge pain in the butt because I had no idea how to use Drupal before that. But in the end, after hours and tears and wanting to quit, it, it really is a nice, <laughs> nice way to do it. But... um. This, so that's how I do my RSS feed. I just do it right into Drupal. Yeah, elementopi.com is also a Drupal uh, with all the different categories and everything. And I just copy and paste the output from uh, Podcast Generator on that little thing where you can click and subscribe. Uh, and also the play box that's on our site is uh, from uh, Podcast Generator. So once it's done, I copy and paste the code into the show notes and done. Nice. Yep. And I'm a WordPress guy, so we're covering all the bases. Cool. I started out with WordPress, liked it, but when you get into multiple shows, it falls down. Uh, it's good for one show, but if you want to do multiple shows, it doesn't do that well. The, the category structure in WordPress falls apart when you try to to do that. At least that was my experience. With interesting. It. I actually started out like James did, doing manual RSS feeds. You guys are insane. I didn't know yes. other, any other way to do it. Right. Wow. Okay, and so uh, that's going to... No, wait, Steve, your uh, uh, tip of the week or thing you learned this week. thing I learned was uh, to stay in communication with your listeners. Um, there's been several times where I started to come go out of communication with my listeners. Like I either wasn't d- didn't do a show that week and didn't tell them about it or I didn't visit the forums or just keep some kind of communication line in with them. I mean, like talk to them because if you don't, you lose track of uh, your listener base and, and where, where they're taking your site, where they want your site to go and what your ideas start to diverge. So if you can't, and, and also when you don't communicate with your listeners, rumors start to form about things that aren't true about your site. Like, oh, he, he didn't, he didn't post a show this week because uh, he went to uh, Canada or something. And I, I'll have to go into the forums and be like, guys, I didn't go to Canada. Where did you hear that? You know, what are you doing in so, Canada? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, just keep in good communication with your listeners and, uh, you know, you'll stay on top of things and it'll, it'll be a much smoother ride. And like I said, I am guilty of that myself for not doing that. And uh, things happen when you don't stay in communication. So that's my tip. 
All right. And speaking of communication, one of the ways that you can communicate with those of us on this show is on the forum that's set up at elementop.com. Hopefully these guys will uh, um, subscribe to the feeds there so that when something comes up, they'll know about it. And you can uh, post questions or comments or bacon pictures uh, there. Uh, there's uh, If you go to elementop.com, click the forums button. There's an Art of Podcasting forum. Uh, and while, I'm there, while you're there, I encourage you to check out some of my other shows uh, there. Uh, we have uh, a number of different offer- offerings on different subjects. Uh, Steve, what about you? Where can people find you and your stuff? Go to howtopodcast.biz. Um, it's a videos that I created on how to podcast. And it's about tw- 10 hours of straight video on how to do it. I covered, every, it was a brain dump. I covered every little thing that I knew about podcasting. I put into that. And, uh, it's a great thing if you're, if you want to get started in podcasting. It's, uh, it's a great thing to get to just get your feet on the ground and get rolling. And I don't disagree with everything Steve says. Cool. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> just most of it. No. Uh, <laughs> most of it's very good stuff. He and I differ, uh, and we'll talk about that on some of our opinions, but in terms of his advice, I think it's fully sound. In fact, I paid him for the site the day it came up. So This is true. Because I believe in it. James, what about you? You can find my podcast at whatawekpodcast.com and for all of our Professor Messer free videos you can find at professormesser.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, professormesser.com slash Facebook, professormesser.com slash Twitter, professormesser.com slash Google Plus. Okay. And I think that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to this uh, rather long episode. I think maybe 90 minutes is about how this show is going to go. That seems to be uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, how long it takes for the three of us to, to run out of diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, but uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We do this show for you. So we want to hear your feedback. Like Steve said, it's all about your feedback. It's all about listening to you. And we can't listen if you don't speak. So contact us uh, on uh, the various places there and let us know what you think. And uh, until then, uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Go long. So